Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. This is episode 7 of season 8, and I'm your host, of course, Andy Davis. It's another nuts and bolts episode this week as we look at what retailers think and do about consumers who are shopping around. Everyone is told to get several quotes for any big job, but for KBB retailers, that often means wasting significant time working on quotes or designs that you know are probably going nowhere. How do different retailers handle these situations, and what happens when the customer gets out plans drawn up by another retailer? But unlike all that, there is no time wasting here. It's just half an hour of very insightful and knowledgeable discussion with two returning podcast guests. Nathan Damerell from KF Kitchens in Plymouth and Nick Warrington from Stuart J. Warrington in Macclesfield. But first, do you want to receive all the latest news, opinion, analysis and features from KBB Review twice a week? Of course you do, who wouldn't? You can subscribe to our newsletter and get it all delivered straight to your inbox. And if you already get it, then why not sign up everyone else in your business and beyond? They'll love you for it. Simply go to kbbreview.com forward slash subscribe. Okay, so let's talk all about shopping around with our two fantastic guests. First up, we have Nathan Damerell from KF Kitchens in Plymouth. Hello, Nathan. Afternoon, Andrew. And we have Nick Warrington from Stuart J. Warrington in Macclesfield. Hello, Nick. Hi there, Andrew. Thank you both for joining us, gents. And, I'm, and I'm, we're talking about a subject today that is, well, I guess it's, it's part of the difficulties of being a retailer. Sometimes you get some fantastic customers. Sometimes you have to really be a, a shopkeeper, if you know what I mean. But before we get stuck into that, let's do the usual thing. Give us the 20-second overview of your business. So let's start with you, Nathan. I'm Nathan Dunwell. We are KF Kitchens Limited in Plymouth. Uh, we've been trading for 15 years. Myself, my wife and a business partner who has this week retired at the age of 65. We sell German Nolte kitchens and Burbage painted timber British kitchens in general. No interest in bathrooms or other parts outside of kitchens. Well... <laughs> comprehensive thank you nathan over to you nick hi i'm nick warrington from Stuart j warrington and co in macclesfield uh, we're in our 40th year this year uh, we design and install kitchens uh, for people in and around cheshire a mix of traditional and modern designs and we also have a plumber's merchant side of the business which supplies predominantly uh, to the trade market bathrooms and other plumbing uh, materials so you're a bit more bipartisan than Nathan is on the old bathroom front then by the sounds of it. Yes, yes. So look, let's go right back to the advice that consumers hear all the time, particularly about things where they're buying big purchases like kitchens and bathrooms. Do you think, from a consumer's point of view, that it is good advice for them to get different quotes and designs from, from a few different places when they are going into a project like this? Nick, let's start with you. What do you think? I think it's to be expected uh, to be given that advice. And I can see, put the boot on the other foot, the sense in that. And I think the main reason is, when I think about it, is that unlike perhaps the purchase of, say, a car, where it's very easy to identify exactly the specification, the model, and get to a price pretty accurately, a lot of people, they may not have bought a kitchen for 10 15 years or never even bought a new kitchen at all so that they're, they're starting from a much lower level often and so they sometimes want some confidence that the price that they're getting and the specification is right and for some people that means shopping around a little bit as part of the learning exercise if you like to to get to a level where they can make a, an educated decision about what to push the button on what do you think nathan is it good advice or not for people to do that 
There's no doubt that people need to look around. If we if we consider ourselves competent members of the industry, you would suggest that the people who who don't shop around, the vulnerable people potentially, who are the ones who get caught up in the sales tactics of purchase now because it's going up tomorrow or any of these kind of things that a lot of a lot of our industry does if people are not looking around they're more likely to make an incorrect purchase and that to be fair doesn't do our industry any favors at all i think one of the things that has to be identified and isolated really is we're not advising customers to shop around necessarily to get the best price because they are buying a project not a product so we're not buying, they're not in the process of buying a television or, or a car, as, as Nick says, that, that's a um, homogenous product. They're buying a project. So their purchase of a kitchen is multifaceted. And so the, the advice I would be giving them is that they need to visit multiple places and identify those companies, the, their competence, the, their products, their integrity, their experience, and their price. So it's not just price we're, we're suggesting people should shop around about. It's more than that. Is it, Nick, do you think about how far down that route they go before they walk out the door and go to another one, as Nathan says? Yes, you would be advised to go to a few shows, have a look around, see what you like, find out a little bit more about them. But if you get to the point of a quote then you must have gone down quite an avenue with them in terms of what your requirements might be. Is that the point where actually it starts to get a bit annoying for you as the business owner? I'm, I'm hesitating. <laughs> yes, I think the the issue for me is identifying where they are on that journey. And I think it's valid to for, for people to narrow down uh, and go through a process of identifying who they want to get a quote from. And at the point that they start getting quotes, I, I think at that point, because they should recognise that there is time, which means money involved in preparing that design and that quotation, that they need to be selective about who they're asking to move forward to that point. Uh, so for me, I, lo- I like to hear from a customer that they're not having a scattergun approach and going around getting quotes from six different places that perhaps I, I can understand pricing up against or designing against one or maybe two other parties. But for me, uh, if someone is coming in and they're getting quotes from six different businesses, they're wasting a lot of people's time. And it, it just smacks to me that they're not far enough down the line of the dis- decision-making process of what they actually want as as a project to be at the point where they're inviting all these quotations to be provided. I suppose, as you say, Nathan, it's a little bit about you're not really comparing like with like when you have different quotes from different people. And I think, as you say, this is where people fall into this trap of, well, you've quoted 20 grand, but Magnets have also quoted 20 grand, and that's with 50% off. You know, so I'm, I'm getting a 40 grand kitchen for 20 grand. And of course, you know that's not true, and we all know that's not true. So when this starts happening, are they very open about it? Do they say, look, I've been to several other places, I'm seeing what they're doing? Or are they being a bit, keep their cards close to their chest in that case? To try to set a business up where you treat everybody differently, which is kind of that suggestion. You have to, if you treat everybody differently, as in somebody could be coming to you and all they want to do is buy a kitchen from you and somebody else might be getting six quotes. Your business becomes really, really varied then. So you're dealing with every single customer differently. My approach, and it's always been my approach, which is probably slightly unique, but I control the direction. So 
realistically, it doesn't matter what that customer thinks that they want from us. We tell them what we are prepared to provide. And uh, if I was giving advice to any retailer out there who would struggle with this, I I talk about and I tell customers that at the start, uh, we have a technique where we kind of give people indications of price within 30 minutes. And I do that constantly when people walk into the showroom and I tell them the expectations that they can get that they can have from us so my common technique is to tell people I won't get to the point but if I start getting to the point where if I do any more free work for you and I see you in Morrison's and I want to chase you down the aisle and kick you then we've gone too far and I've done too much free work for you so we kind of set the timeline and set the direction so whether somebody wants to get 10 quotes or they're being recommended to us and only want to buy a kitchen from us we use the same approach we do the same thing every single time so they get two hours of free work and beyond that we don't do any more right okay what about you nick i think i'm fairly similar to nathan on that one actually because what i don't do is try and change my approach if someone is shopping around and i think it's important to if you like not not chase those down and so in terms of are people transparent about what they're doing? I think some people almost wear it like a badge of honour that they're going out and getting six quotations and they seem to think that that'll be some incentive for you to sharpen the proverbial pencil and do them a, a better deal. And I try to be consistent in saying we price our jobs in the same way and so we price a job that is fair for both parties. We don't do the magical sale technique here. We give you a price, that's the price. And other than changing specification or design details or scope, the price isn't, I'm not going to suddenly knock £5,000 off the price of the kitchen for you. It, it doesn't happen here. And I think that's that's really important because it's very easy for them to think that they're pressurising you into something. And it's for a small re- retailer, it can be easy to feel like that you need to follow that. And I think you've just got to be true to the way you want to run your business because there's nothing worse than being in a position where you have reduced your price and then you don't enjoy that. You will never enjoy doing that project in the same way as one way you think you're being paid fairly for the work that you're doing. Can I jump in there, Nick? I think something you said that's really important there that actually when when you give away that your price is not your price, your price is negotiable. As soon as you give that away, the person on the other side of this deal are naturally going to say, well, we've got other quotes and therefore we're trying to get everybody to fight to the bottom, which we're all naturally inclined to do. We all want to do that. That's Everybody wants to get the best deal they can possibly do. But if as a retailer, if you are strong enough to say, we will charge you a price for the services and the products that we supply, and that's not going to change, all of a sudden the, the narrative changes, I think. It's not about price. And the stores have done it for years, haven't they, really? Is that everybody's, how many times have, have we all bought things? And it might be a holiday or it might be energy or it might be any of these things that it's instilled in people that, well, if you get a cheaper quote, come back to me and I'll match it. Well, if you change that narrative and don't do it that way, then inevitably people are not going to start using that as a tactic against you. I'm 100% with that. And I quite often use a a bit of a a light-hearted to a jokey approach to that. And, you know, if someone says, particularly if they've been to one of the bigger retailers, and I think we mentioned Magnet as an example, where that does happen, I'll usually broach that and say, 
we don't do that approach here. What I'll give you is a fair price because we don't believe that a customer should have to barter to get a fair price. And that, you know, one of the things we sell ourselves on is that we're fair to everybody who walks through the door and someone isn't going to lose out and get a bad deal because they weren't prepared to barter. And so uh, I sort of finish off and say, but if you do want a huge discount, just let me know and I'll put the £10,000 on your original quote. And then when you come in, I can knock it off again for you uh, and take you back to where we where we should be anyway. And I think most people then, when you explain that to them, start understanding that there's a difference between price and value. And the, the reality is there's not many people who ever pay the full price at certain retailers because they're just artificial figures that only exist if you buy a three-unit kitchen. And ultimately, people want you to display integrity. And that's it. what you're saying there, Nick, is exactly what you do, is that you're displaying experience, integrity and competence. And that is probably to, to, to people who are buying a project, not to somebody who's doing a place up and selling it. And really, the quality and the experience is irrelevant to them. It's all about price. If we consider that we are supplying a product that is multifaceted and people need People consider more things than price, and that is integrity, competence, all of these items that are out there that you that you can display to somebody. But my my bit with it all is that as the retailers, we should be doing that really quickly. I mean, it's about trust, isn't it? You're instilling trust in them that this massive amount of money that they're about to spend is safe with you. And you're right, that's a big part of it. That's not about price. That's about relationship building. Now, a big part of this, of course, is that if they are shopping around, they are shopping around other retailers. And 99.9% of the time, you will know those other retailers and will have come up against them before. How do you handle that? Do you talk about them? Do you talk about why you're better than them in other areas? Do you criticise them and, and pump yourself up? How do you handle the relationship you have with those other retailers? Nick, let's start with you. I tend to stick to what we do rather than what other people may or may not do uh, because I want to establish a relationship with the customer based on on what we do uh, rather than what other people do. With that being said, if I know that they have been to certain other places and i know they keep cropping up magnet is a good example of this because i've i've had this recently where the customer who came through the door trotted out obviously all the reasons why magnet believe they are uh, the best retailer to go with which was economy of scale being such a large retailer they can do the same product for way less than anybody else etc etc and so so sometimes your own situation has to come into the conversation. So I find it quite easy to counter that because it's, well, yes, they're a big organization, which means there's layers of additional management and structure within that business that all adds cost. So even if they can make a cabinet for less than I can buy one for, but when you put all that overhead back on top, there's not a lot of difference between the price. But I, I try not to criticize other people but more focus on what we do. But what I do try to do is get into conversation about detail because I think that a lot of people, particularly early on in the exercise of considering what they do or don't want, is you know they go into a big, bright, shiny showrooms, lots of pro- products, and they come and they're a bit like a rabbit in the headlights in that they've been told all this stuff, and then when they come away. 
because of the information they are or that they're not provided, they don't actually know what they've been quoted half of the time. I end up saying, well, was it an ash door? Was it a vital rat door? And, and some customers don't even know that. And they might have been in another showroom for two hours getting a design and a price. And yet they don't even know what the kitchen is made of and what the specification is. What about you, Nathan? When you see those names cropping up again and again, which you must do uh, in Plymouth, what do you do? How do you argue yourself up without putting them down? I just ask them what they're doing here then. So it's quite simple. Really. I mean, somebody comes in, if somebody says to me that they're buying a product, they, they're seeing a product somewhere else and they do it. it my, my question always to them is is to throw that back. So so you ask the question, well, why have you come in here? Why are you here? So if Magnet's so great, why are you here? And for me, beyond that, once we start talking about what we offer, what we do, I, I really have I've not a lot of interest in criticising the large nationals i think all other local independents my my only point always to customers i say it to, to people all the time and i think i would say it to people wherever they're buying a kitchen whether it be somebody who i would be they would be buying from us in plymouth or they might be buying a kitchen and i know them and they're moving to scotland is just do your research you the, the research is there the everything is there for people to to understand products that are available to them and the first thing they need to do is is all open is to go on find out reviews see what other people think of that those companies make sure that you you know who you're dealing with my biggest point to customers always sit down with whoever you might be buying a kitchen off and ask them if they know the person who's going to put it in for you because if john the designer from a national company doesn't know the the kitchen installer who's going to put it in for you how can they guarantee what type of job you're going to get and you just ask the, the, the people the questions. Ask that most people are quite understanding that they're buying a once once you once you start talking to them and, and explain what you offer, they realise it's a project, not a product. And there's no way that anybody can control the number of kitchens that these nationals do to the same level as an independent can. It's it's impossible. We all know that. You can't you don't have control over quality. And my point is always to, to throw it back to people because ultimately customers want a relationship with their kitchen designer and they want somebody to see things differently and to, they come to independence because they want experience. But there must be other independents in Plymouth as well. Absolutely. And and again, the same question. So you ask people the same question. I, I remember a while ago, I had customers in and it's not all altruistic because it wasn't the most pleasant of chaps, but he I, I asked him that question. He had a, a kitchen design from a, a reputable company in Plymouth. They still go in now, probably our major competitor. And they'd had, they've got plans and plans in detail and quotations and they've done so much work. And I'm saying to the guy, so why are you here? And he says, well, because I want that kitchen, but for a better price. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? It's if you want the service and they've probably done 10 to 15 hours worth of work with you, why don't you just go and buy it from them? Now, I have no idea whether he did or not. And it's not, he might have shopped around forever, but we can all spend 10 to 15 hours drawing plans up and doing things. And ultimately, you've got to say, do you prefer my product? Well, not really. But if you don't prefer my product and you, this is how much my product's going to be, this is where it is. There's no reason to criticize other companies and say to customers, if they spent 10 to 15 hours with you, realistically, why don't you just buy it from them? What are you trying, as a customer, what are they trying to achieve? 
there must be a part of you though deep down inside that just thinks yeah we've just pinched one off such and such down the road here but the businessman in you must must think yeah go on we've just got one over on him andrew to be honest I, i if somebody has done that amount of work then i'm not adding any value to them and if I'm adding no value, I get no joy in the project. And that's the truth. It's not my kitchen, really. It's somebody else's. We are fortunate enough that I don't have to go around trying to fight off different people and to fight for business because the the majority of people, they come to us because they want to anyway. So we're ne- we're, we've been at it long enough that we're not in that necessarily in that bum fight. But there has to be a level of professional integrity to say, I'm not trying to steal jobs off other people. That's not what you're there to do. The, what you're there to do is to do your job really well and really professionally. I get it. I, in my opinion, we as independent retailers should be better at trying to steal those jobs off nationals. Our competitor is not really another independent. As independents, our competitors are the nationals. So how about you, Nick? How do you feel when a customer sits opposite you and gets out the plans and the designs from another retailer? What goes through your head? It's interesting because I think I probably draw a similar distinction to to Nathan. that (laughs) If the plans from a a national, I feel almost that my conscience is clear and I just, (laughs) I'll just wade in and do whatever I I can. If it's, uh, as Nathan described, it's clear that someone has done a lot of work uh, and it's an independent. I do the same and I, I want to know well, why you're here. And if it's a prize thing, I don't tend to even waste my time because I'll probably be the same or more expensive anyway. And so if they're being driven by price, I'm wasting everybody's time by even spending any time preparing a quote for them. So I do have a conversation along the lines of, we're quite happy to, to provide a quote for you. But if you are a bit genuinely only interested in price as a bottom line, and you do get the odd customer who, despite your best efforts, finds it a struggle to distinguish between price and value, then I'm prepared to sort of wave them goodbye really because that they're not our customer and i'm happy to do that but on the other hand uh, we also get customers who come in with plans and they get the plans out because they may say i've been to this national i've got this plan it's okay but i'm not blown away would you do anything differently so then they're asking me to use that as a starting point. And quite often I'll take that and I'll say, well, I can see why they've done that. You could do that. You could do that. So I would at that point be starting with a very loose conversation. And that would really just be a lead in to how I would ordinarily run a sales meeting anyway about exploring what the customer is looking for and what they're looking to achieve within the project. And so the, the plan or then almost becomes a conversation starter uh, as to what I then do for them in in terms of doing my own design and you get some kitchens you know we're a mid-market retailer there's a lot plenty of uh, houses around here where you go in them and the kitchens with the best will in the world there's not too many options as to how you can lay them out but there's always tweaks that can be made so I might take that plan and use it as a basis but it's very rare that I would pick that plan up and just copy it verbatim and just price straight off that plan and how's your gut feeling after so many years nathan when they when you've got someone in who's like this do you know when they walk out the door if they're coming back yeah oh absolutely and and i think that's part of this is is about experience because the less experienced you are in our industry the more the customer drives the narrative 
and the more experienced you become, the more you you drive the narrative, you drive the direction of what's going to happen. So every client who we have a system and a process that every client who walks into our showroom we will take them through a process that it really, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what, what they feel is going to happen. We tell them what they will anticipate and expect from us. And you then know if what we offer is not what they want. So I will tell people at the start that we are not in a bun fight to the bottom. I will do this amount of work for you. This is how I do it. This is how we do our business. If that interests you, let's start a process. But I very quickly then move to a point where they've got to start paying. So I won't do 15 hours worth of work without them making a commitment because I don't want to be the person who's done 15 hours of work, who that guy is taking that work around to other kitchen showrooms and he ends up buying it somewhere else. So I put myself in the position of other retailers and sometimes less experienced retailers when if that person comes into me and says, you can't, we, we, we don't want anything else apart from this plan, but we want it less expensively. Can you do that? not quite the done thing for me. That's not the way I would, I, I don't want to do business that way. And and so the customer generally, within 30 minutes, you will generally get a really good feel for them. And they, and similarly, they will get a good feel for you. And they know whether or not what you, if, if you do your job properly, Andrew, when you meet people, I always think that within 30 minutes, they know whether they're going to buy a kitchen from you. And how about you, Nick? Can you spot them coming? <laughs> I, I would like to say yes, but you don't always get it. You, you know, you don't always get it right. And I've got a customer at the moment that I originally thought was a tie waster, uh, and it has turned out not to be the case. Uh, and I've, I've got a nice order on the on the go with that one. But yes, usually you can you can spot them, and if it's because they're shopping around on price, they, they normally can't get the words out quick enough uh, to tell you that that's what they're trying to do to you. And so they, <laughs> so they all, they almost give themselves away. And I'm very much like Nathan in that I am a true believer in not entering a race to the bottom because at the end of the day, there are only so many hours in the day and I've got enough work to do that... I want to be paid fairly for the work that I do. So if if you're going to try and force me to to work for less than I should be doing, then my eyes tend to glaze over a little bit at that point. Well, look, chaps, this is the real sharp end of retailing stuff, and it's really interesting. As with all these topics, everybody faces it, and everybody deals with it in a slightly different way. Uh, And it's always fascinating to see what those differences are and where the similarities are, where that Venn diagram overlaps. But, of course, there is one question we need to get out of the way before we get to the end of the podcast, and that is the most important question we've been asking everybody on the the season this this time around. And I'll start with you, Nathan. Brace yourself. (laughs) What is your baked potato filling of choice? Cheese and beans, I think. Cheesy beans. Right, correct. Nick, what about you? I'm an old school butter on and then some beans on top. The butter and beans option. Now, you see, yeah. I'm glad to hear that because I'm slightly concerned that last week we had coleslaw and that should never be allowed. I mean, I was close to calling the police. That's just wrong. With it. it is wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> It's wrong. It's against all kinds of culinary uh, legal bylaws, I'm sure. Well, look, that's another one for the cheesy beans. It's another one for just the beans and butter. Why you'd have beans with no cheese as well, but let's not get into that. <laughs> thank you very much, chaps. A fascinating subject, uh, and I thank you so much for your time and your a, a very experienced insight. Cheers, thank you. Cheers. 
huge thanks to Nathan Damrell from KF Kitchens in Plymouth and Nick Warrington from Stuart J. Warrington in Macclesfield for their time. This is another one of those areas that all retailers have to deal with, but all do it in a slightly different way. I think it's great. There seems to be a consensus, though, about the differing morality of taking work off big multiples rather than other independents, though, so I suppose that's something. Don't forget to subscribe to the KBB Review newsletter if you don't already, and if you do, then recommend it to all your colleagues, and they'll thank you forever. Simply go to kbbreview.com forward slash subscribe. See you next week.